Welcome to the Burning Hearts Church Podcast. We are so glad that you're joining us this week. Today we're going to um, learn from the Word, and we're going to Matthew 28, and we're going to look at, um, the Gospels all share the story of Christ's resurrection, and on uh, Ted helped me on Friday, on the Good Friday service, and he shared from a medical perspective what Jesus endured on the cross, and a number of you were there, and today we get to celebrate that resurrection life, what he has done for us, and what we live in today. Isn't it exciting? It is so good. As we worship the Lord, we worship out of a victory stance. He died, but he rose again. And so this week, my heart has been heavy, just like I want to just honor Jesus in everything I do. But this week, especially on this Resurrection Sunday, it is so important that we see who he is. And I know on um, this Sunday, I was just going through social media. I haven't, I've been off for almost two years, and I just kind of reentered the social media world. And I noticed a lot of Christians quoting philosophers and not the word of God. And my heart just went, ah. Oh, some of them I don't think even knew that their philosophies come out of Buddhism. And my heart was just broken. And so I just want to start with just kind of a little bit of apologetics about talking about Christ and why we believe in him. And so, you know, there's three things that make Christianity stand apart from all other religions in this world. And I don't know if you know, there's over 4,000 religions in our world. And Christianity is one of them. And um, the reason why we stand out is Jesus Christ's impact on history was incredible. Historians talk about it. The world talks about what Christ done. Think of it, BC, AD. Like even how we do our calendars is around Christ. The other thing, the second thing is that he fulfilled, he's the only one that has fulfilled over 320 pro- prophecies. For his life, his death, his resurrection, he fulfilled all these prophecies out of, the old New Te- out, of, out of the Old Testament. And you know what? He's the only one, and it is supernatural that that took place. I've taught that before, the exponential, it's like, you know, to the billionth, the zero of how that could even be possible. Jesus and Christianity stands out the most because we are the only one that serves a risen Lord. Today is the day that changes Christianity above all those 4,000 religions is that we have a resurrected Christ. And, um, you know, out of those 4,000 religions, there's only four that go around a philosophy of a man. And Judaism is one. And they go around Moses and the law, more the law than anything. And then Christianity, of course, we're around Jesus. Islam is around Muhammad and Buddhism is around Buddha. But only one of them has a resurrected king. Jesus Christ. And we're going to look at Matthew 28 today, and I'm going to talk a little bit about history and a little bit about what the Word of God is saying, but I want us to know we stand out in history because we have a king that's alive. You know, today, when you sit here and worship, we have people who are all in who know Jesus Christ is their Lord and Savior, but we have some in the room probably who are doubting, like, is this really real? Could he really have been raised from the dead? We're going to look at this, and I want us to look at the truth of God's Word today. So let's pray and open our hearts to Jesus and the Word. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the Word of God, that it is power, that it is life, that Jesus, you came to earth and you were the very Word of God that dwelt among us in flesh. Father, I ask today, teach us from your Word. Make our hearts so tender to the things of you. God, I pray those things that we need to know out of Matthew 28 would come alive in us, but more so that we would go out of these walls and live that message. 
God, that we would be a people that live in that resurrection life and everyone that we see, we go and tell. So Father, I just thank you for today. Amen. All right, Matthew 28. Let's turn there. I sang too loud today. Oh, so good. I couldn't stop. All right. After Sabbath at dawn, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. Why do they say he sat on it? Isn't that funny? He just sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. Can you imagine? Okay, so they're going to the tomb. I want us to think back. You know, Jesus died on Friday. There's a Saturday where nothing's happened, and it is the Sabbath. So according to Jewish culture, they cannot, and their rules, they could not walk further than a certain distance, and the tomb was further away, so they couldn't walk to the tomb because it was too far away. So Mary and the other Mary were bringing spices to the tomb. It talks about in John. And remember, um, it was customary for them to visit the tombs, just like we go to cemeteries to visit It was very customary for them to go to tombs, so that wasn't unusual. But they were going with spices, so they were not expecting what Jesus had told them to be true, that he would be raised from the dead, right? So they were still thinking that he was dead. But there was this violent earthquake, and you know it had to be significant if the huge Roman guards shook and were like dead men, right? That had to be significant. So Ted and I did a little history search. On a paleo <laughs> seismic action that has taken place in this time. And so it, today, even historians are looking into this. They're drilling to the core of the Dead Sea, and guess what they found? I love how history backs up the Word of God. I love how science it tries to catch up with the Word of God. Ted and I see that on a regular basis. But they're digging in this and the bedrock and they come down into this section that was like from 25 AD to 100 AD. But they get into the very part where it's right around 33 AD when Christ died and they find this seismic activity that took place where incredible earthquakes had happened. They were 5.5 magnitude. They can tell in the rock how it cracked a centimeter that it was about that magnitude. And that... um, it would just, wouldn't destroy buildings, but it would definitely shake them. Like veils could be torn or things like that could happen, right? But it wasn't strong enough for a two, two and a half ton rock to roll horizontally. Only God. But God. Only those things could happen. But I love how as they're studying this, they're going, oh, those earthquakes happened. Remember on Good Friday? We read about an earthquake that took place. Now he's right... It's Resurrection Sunday, and here he is. An earthquake takes place. All right, let's continue. The angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. You know, there are 34 books in the Bible that talk about angels, 17 in the Old Testament, 17 in the New Testament. And mainly they're invisible, right? And sometimes they take human form like we saw in Genesis 18. 
but most other times they're brilliant and they cause people to shake and be afraid. In Hebrews 1.14, it talks about them. Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve those who inherited salvation? Why was that stone rolled away? Why was the angel sitting there on that rock? What do you think? Was it for Jesus to get out? He's God of the impossible. No, it was for us to peer in and go, he's not there, right? He's gone. Where is he? He's not in the grave. He's risen. That, those words right here is what I want to land on for this whole of Matthew 28. Come and see the empty grave. Now go and tell. Come and see. If you don't know him, come and see what the Lord has done. If you're in this place and I don't know him, you're like, I do not know this Lord and Savior. Come and see. He's an amazing, awesome God. But our job as the church who has left the building is to go and tell. We go and tell everyone what he's done. He uses that Greek word, come and see. Just um, even when Peter was getting out of the boat, and what does Jesus say? Come. It's that same word. Um, when he called the little children onto him, he said, come. For such is the kingdom of heaven. He, that's the same word. Come and see me. Just come. Come and see me. But then what is our job? Now go and tell. Go and tell what the Lord has done. It's the most important part to me in this chapter for us today is the come and see, go and tell. In Matthew 28, let's go back there. Verses 8 through 10. So the woman hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell the disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. The, woman, the women come, and they see Jesus. And what do they do? Instantly, they're filled with joy and fear. Can you imagine what it was like? They were going to a tomb with spices, which is what you do for the dead, thinking he's dead. And all of a sudden, they see him. He is alive. The tomb has been rolled away. It is scary. Hello. Like, that was impossibilities taking place, and they saw it. But also the joy that everything he had said, everything that he had said about him on the third day I'll rise was truth. It's like the joy of all of it had to overwhelm, overwhelm them. And his greeting is like a very common, like casual greeting in the Greek. It's like, hey, y'all, <laughs> go tell my disciples that denied me and go tell them that I'm alive. Go find those guys that denied me that are sitting behind the locked door. Remember that? That's in John. They're behind a locked door. Why don't you go tell them I'm alive, that what I said was true? Can you imagine? All the things that are going through in their heads. He is amazing, God. While the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priests everything that had happened. When the chief priests had met with the elders and devised a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money, telling them, you are to say his disciples came during the night and stole him away while we were asleep. If this report gets to the governor, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So the soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed. And this story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. That story still is around. Philosophers still grab on to that story. 
that the disciples probably took the body of Jesus. It's interesting to me, remember when the earthquake took place and the stone is rolled away, these huge Roman soldiers, they would have had shifts where they are always at the tomb guarding it. So there were 10 to 16 huge Roman soldiers that shook and fainted like dead men. But remember what happened in Acts when the, when the jail is shook and the soldiers, what are they going to do? They're going to kill themselves because they know they will be killed if these prisoners get out. If Paul gets out, we're dead, right? And so they were going to kill themselves. And he says, don't, don't kill yourself. These sh- soldiers then went to their authorities, probably thinking they're going to die. Instead, they get a buyout to lie. It's very interesting to me how the story continues when we think about the backstory of what is really going on. So I want to look at some few lies that people believe, some philosophies that are still circulating today about the resurrection, that the disciples stole the body. I want us to think about that. So they were grieving. The one that they thought was saving them from this horrible Roman Empire died. And they were grieving his death, the one that they followed, Jesus. They saw him do incredible miracles. They saw signs and wonders. They saw themselves being activated in the gospel and sharing it and seeing God move through them. And they were standing there thinking, nope, his body was stolen. Like, I don't think so. That's not going to happen. How could that happen when these ones that are grieving could go and move a two-ton rock, I don't even know how that would happen, and get the body? That didn't happen. It's such, there's no common sense in this. So they'd go to the tomb to move a two-ton rock, and there would be 10 to 16 Roman soldiers. Do you think they could do that? They weren't warriors. All the guards were there. The rock had been turned away. There is no way. That is impossible story. That is an impossible belief. All right, another lie is, or theory, however you want to say it, is that the women went to the wrong tomb. Has anyone ever heard that one? Yeah, well, that's kind of a common one even today. Those silly women, they went to the wrong tomb. It was early in the morning. You know, they couldn't quite see. Now, I want you to think about that. If they went to the wrong tomb, that means also that the Roman guards went to the wrong tomb. It means the angel sitting on the rock was at the wrong tomb. It also means that Joseph, who owned the tomb that gave it for Jesus to be buried in and rolled the stone, went to his wrong tomb that he owned. Okay, I think the impossibilities of that is much greater than my resurrected king. There's a swoon theory where Jesus fainted and really didn't die on the cross. I mean, this one just kills me. I, I'm like almost, it's, it breaks my heart. Because as we went through what happened on Friday night of how he was beaten so badly that his spine was showing, his organs were showing, he was pierced all the way through his side into his pericardium and into his heart where blood and water flowed. Is there any way he could go into then a cool, damp tomb for two nights and be restored to health? They say that's what happened. He went into a cool tomb and his body healed. The impossibilities of that takes a lot of faith. A lot of faith. It's crazy to believe that people believe in this swoon theory. He just fainted. Another theory is that um, the Jews had stole the body. And so for the next several weeks after Christ's death, 
and resurrection, there were thousands upon thousands of people, of Jewish people and Gentiles, who came to know Christ. Think about what happens after this, Acts, and the church is born. Thousands were added to the church daily. So if Jewish soldiers or Jewish religious leaders took the body of Christ, why would all of these people come? Thousands. Don't you think they would say, okay, I want you to see, he, didn't really, he wasn't really raised from the dead. See, here's his dead body, right? They wouldn't want thousands to be added to the Christian church daily. They wouldn't want this to happen. They would stop it and show the body. So to me, that's fully impossible. There's no way that would be allowed. And there are a number of other ones, but I told Ted, they're too stupid for me to even share. So I just want you to know that. You can research them, but I was like, this is ridiculous. I can't even, it's embarrassing to even say it. Matthew 28, let's go back there. Verse 16. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. What an amazing worship service that had to be. Can you imagine? They're gathered there. Here is the risen Savior. They're worshiping him. I love worship. I love how his presence comes. I love how this church just jumps in. The cheering, the worship is just abundant. It's the overflow of your heart, and I love it. I can't imagine what that would have been like. I can't imagine. I love how Matthew also says, when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. I think in every church in America, they're worshiping Christ today, but in the church body, there's some in there doubting, going, is this really real? Is Jesus really real? It's the same way that day they saw him resurrected body. Some doubted. I want you to know he's real and he's here for you. He's alive. If you look in this room, there are changed lives all around you because of Jesus. Think of what he saved us from. Think of who we would be today if he wasn't in our lives. He is so good, and he's so worthy of our worship. But some doubted. I listened to a Bible teacher. Um, I forget his name now. I listen to him all the time. And he was going through, um, he's a theologian, just the evidence of Christ and the resurrection, and I was just really enjoying it. And he said, you know, truly they had to believe in the resurrection because of what happened next. Not just the thousands upon thousands coming to Christ. The miracles they saw. The apostles spread the gospel, which is now why we hear it in our world today. is because of what they did and what they gave their lives to. But you know they saw the resurrected Lord because of the suffering that took place. Bartholomew was flayed alive. John was boiled in oil while he was still alive. He lived through that. Then he was banished to Patmos. Many of you know that. And then he ended up dying in Ephesus. He's the only one that wasn't martyred. Close. He was boiled alive in oil, but he didn't die. Matthew was beaten with a club. Thomas went to East India and was lanced with a spear. They all died violent deaths, except John. They wouldn't have believed 
and stood up for a lie all the way to death. He's risen. He's alive. They gave their lives for this. Their family members gave their lives. Many of their family members died violent deaths because they knew Jesus is alive. They knew he was real. They knew that everyone needed to encounter him. I want that kind of passion to burn in us. I'm not saying that I want us to be boiled alive in oil, but I am saying that passion where we know he is so real, we can't not go and tell. We came and we saw him, and now we have to go and tell. The disciples were commissioned in that moment, go and make disciples of all nations. You know that word go in the Greek? I've talked about this before because it's so unique. Go and make disciples. The word disciples is a noun and a verb, and then it's this action verb as well. So it's a noun, like we're disciples. It's a verb, go and disciple someone, just talk to them, teach them, raise them up in the things of God. But then there's this other action verb where it's go and disciplize. As you go on your way, everywhere you go, you tell about Jesus. As you go to your kids in the morning and the night, you disciplize, you tell them about Jesus. As you go to work, you disciplize, you tell people about Jesus. As you're with your family, as you're with your friends, as you go to the coffee shop, you disciplize. That's what Jesus was saying. Now go and disciple. Go and make disciples. All authority in heaven and earth has been given me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. He was calling them out to go. He was commissioning them, saying, go and do this. Reproduce yourselves. The Christ in you reproduce in the next generation and the next generation. That's what he's asking us to do. To reproduce that Christ in us, that very hope of glory. To reproduce, to disciple people that they will know him. That then they, they will share with the next generation to know him. I want you to know, moms and dads, you have a huge important call on your life to disciple your family. This mandate is for us to go to the world, to the lost, but it's a mandate also for our families to teach them of the ways of God, to raise them up in the things of the Lord, that they would know him personally, that they would be ones that would reach the next generation. Those four words in the beginning, come and see, go and tell. If you have doubts, come and see him. If you have doubts in this room today, read the word of God, and let him speak to you. Talk to someone in this place who knows him. And then go and tell. The Church Has Left the Building was a great series. And I feel like Resurrection, we, we stopped that you know, a couple weeks ago. But I'm like, this is the end of that series, right here. The church is leaving the building. Come and see, go and tell he's raised from the dead. Come and see that resurrection, King and Lord. I want to talk about a pastor named William Sangster. He was alive from 1900 to 1960. If you like to read history books and history Christian books and religion and about pastor's sermons, he's a good one to look. Look up Sangster is his last name. And he was a prominent evangelical Methodist minister in Britain from 1939 to 1955. I want to get all the details right, so I'm going to read this. And he pastored in the Westminster Central Hall. It was a prestigious Methodist church not far from Westminster Abbey in London. And during World War II, the basement of Sangster's church was used as an air raid shelter for 1,688 nights. Think about that. 
1,688 nights it was an air shelter where Sangster ministered physically, emotionally, and spiritually to the needs of all people that came there for safety. After the war, he spearheaded a spiritual renewal movement that hit across his country and across the Methodist churches. In 1958, Sangster was diagnosed with having an incurable disease that caused progressive muscular um, astrophy. I wonder if it was atrophy. What was it? Probably ALS. But anyway, it didn't say. When he learned um, of his diagnosis, he made four resolutions. I will never complain. I will keep the home bright. I will count my blessings. I will try to turn it into gain. So let's think about that. He's dying. His body is dying. I will never complain. I will keep the home bright. I will count my blessings. I will turn, try to turn it into gain. So later he wrote, there have been great gains already from my sickness. I live in the present. I am grateful for little things. I have more time and used it for more prayer. Over the course of his two and a half years, he experienced um, gradual paralysis of his muscles, which left him with no voice and able to move only two fingers. With them, he would communicate with others by writing, but eventually that even became ill. Um, they were unable to read it legible. On Easter morning, this is why I'm reading this, just a few weeks before his death, he managed to write these words on paper. How terrible to wake up on Easter morning and have no voice to shout, he is risen. But it's far worse to have a voice and not shout, he has risen. Can you say he is risen? He is risen indeed. It was so convicting. This man is um, incredible, gave his life. Um, Christ is risen. We have the opportunity. Our voices work. We can share with others. We can share with our family. You can share with your friends. A Muslim Christian who um, became a Christian in Africa was once asked, why would you leave your faith and follow Jesus? Like, what are you thinking? And his response is um, if you go down a road and there's a fork in the road, you have two ways to follow. And the people that are going to tell you where to go, one is alive and one is a dead, which one would you take directions from? It's as simple as that. I would take the one who's raised from the dead. That's why I follow Jesus. I thought, okay, let's make it simple, right? Who would you follow? The risen Savior. There's 4,000 religions over 4,000. No one even has the exact amount. I just want you to know. Over 4,000 in this world. And there's one that has a resurrected king. There's one who history backs his resurrection. There's one who's so alive today that we see on the weekly people getting healed and saved because he's still alive. Last week, we had words of knowledge and... Um, that were happening in the room. And two people came up to me and told me they were healed. One shoulder that had been cracking and in pain for a year. I think the word of knowledge was a left shoulder. And this person said, he doesn't even attend our church. He was just visiting for the Sunday. It was totally healed. And he'd never experienced anything like that. He was so lit up. He was so changed. Someone else, their back was healed. 
There was a word of knowledge about the back, and it was just touched and healed. Someone else, you told me one too. Was it your hip? His hip was healed. If you have doubts, you need to come and see. And then when you experience and you encounter this living God, Jesus told us to go and tell. Go and disciplize. Go tell people of what he has done. Today, I was, I was thinking about how do we end on Resurrection Sunday? I want to have a cheer fest. And <laughs> anyway, but I felt like I really want us to end um, and ask the Lord for a fresh touch from heaven. You know, as I was looking at these scriptures and studying, and I, I always love to just overstudy, just so you know, I love to learn. And so there's all these facts that I love to get, and I tell you a few of them. But as I was studying this week, I just got so encouraged once again by our faith in Christ. It's so simple. It's like I just was so encouraged in my faith in this living God. And I want our hearts to just be so open to grow in our faith in God. I felt like today, before I close, I wanted to pray for us as a body of believers just for a fresh touch from heaven, for a fresh touch from this resurrected king. As I'm preaching, okay, I don't even, shouldn't even say this, everyone's gonna be distracted. The snow is coming down. And we just need to remember that stuff doesn't really matter. Right? Amen? It's this stuff that matters. If anyone else is frustrated that it continues to snow, you're with me. Anyway, I'm just sitting here going, I can't believe it. Here we go again. But really, truly, and honestly, I just want to encourage us as believers to have a moment before I close with um, just God touching you. If you don't know Christ as your personal Savior, you know how simple he says? If you believe in your heart and declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you're saved. If you don't yet believe and you're like, okay, she just gave a really good reason why I should believe in this risen king and you're saying I think it's my moment I want you to pray with me all you have to do is believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord he says anyone who calls on the name of the Lord is saved we just call on his name this week as the discipleship school was helping another church plant down on the border of San Diego they got to lead people to Jesus and I thought I get that privilege every Sunday it's the coolest job in the world but if that is you and you're saying I want to come and see and know him then let's just pray let's everyone just close our eyes and just bow our heads if you're one who's saying I don't yet know him and want to know him will you just kind of like wave at me because I want to be able to pray over a person as we're doing this and if you're one who's saying I don't I need to just rededicate my life and say I just got to go back to my first love that come and see Jesus and just know that resurrected king if that's you wave at me I saw a couple little waves so let's just pray heavenly father I thank you it's that easy we just call on the name of the Lord and we're saved you did all the hard work you died a brutal death on the cross and you rose again the God of the impossible the one true living holy amazing king 
who does the impossible. And when we call on your name, we're saved. We have eternal life with you. I can't even comprehend how amazing and good you are, God. So as those who raised and waved at me, God, I ask that you come in their lives right now. They're saying with their heart, Jesus, you are Lord. They're confessing with their mouth, say, Jesus is Lord of my life. God, forgive us of our past, of our sin. And today we just choose to follow you. We call on the name of the Lord and we're saved. Thank you, Jesus, for those today who were doubting and today said, I now know he's God. Thank you, God. I ask this week you meet them in incredible ways as they sit down to pray, as they spend time in the Bible, that you would speak to them so clear and so dear. I pray for those who came to know you today, that they would get discipled, that they'd have someone older in this journey come alongside them. So if you raised your hand, at the end, we're going to have people up here praying for a number of different things. I want you to come up because I want you to connect with someone. If you don't have a Bible, we have Bibles for you. If you don't have someone to teach you of the ways of Jesus, they will connect you with someone to teach you. All right, for all of us in this room, it's time for a fresh touch. Just hold it. Let's just stand up and hold out our hands. The story of the Muslim is kind of coming to Christ is comical to me. It's so simple. We're going to follow the one that's alive, of course. So, Father, here we are. We're following our risen King. We're following the one that's alive, and we are here to say, you are the risen King. I thank you as long as we have breath in us, we're going to praise you, God. As long as we live on this planet, we have a choice to praise you. When we get to heaven, it's just going to be. But here is the time we have a choice to stand here and say, Jesus, you are Lord of my life. I just declare you as the resurrected king. I want you guys to just raise your hands and just start declaring who he is for you. He's your king. He's your savior. He's your Lord. You know, he's our friend and he walks with us. He's the God of the impossible. He's our healer, our redeemer. who he is he is so amazing he is so amazing God as we have breath within us we desire to worship you we desire to declare that you are Lord we desire to be your people who are going to come and see and go and tell of you I pray as we go home that we disciplize our families, as we go to work, as we go to coffee shops, as we go to the stores, that we would be a people that would stop for the one and tell them of the goodness of God. God, stir in us that 
gift of just speaking out. I pray boldness. When I was praying over the service, the Lord said, release my boldness on your people. So Father God, I ask for boldness and acts when you came and filled them with the Spirit. They were filled with power. They were filled with boldness. And the world was radically changed. God, I ask today a fresh touch of boldness on us, that we would be the bold ones, God. I pray against fear of man. Lord, we repent. If we have any fear of man left in us, God, let it go in Jesus' name. We repent of any fears that we have that would silence us. God, I pray just an awakening in us today, that faith just being stirred in us on Resurrection Sunday of who you are, the God of the impossible, the King of all kings, the Lord of all lords. God, stir our faith today. Just fresh touch from you in Jesus' name. Fresh touch. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Right now, as we studied on Friday night, as we learned from your word, the scourging, those stripes on your back, you bore for the healing. And it was physical healing, emotional, spiritual and healing of salvation according to scripture. It was all those things. Lord, according to the Greek, it was all those things. So if anyone in this room, if you need emotional healing, start leaning into Jesus, your healer. He bore that on the cross. He rose from the dead so that we could have healing. If you need emotional healing, lean in. If you need a physical healing, lean in right now. He's in this place. He said, where two or more gathered, I am in your midst. He was scourged for these things, that you would have healing, that you would have salvation. We would be healed from our past. God, I pray healing on this house. You come in this place. Those who are hurting and have emotional needs right now, God, that you would come in and heal. God, that you would heal every area of pain. Those things of pain that come into their heads, that bind them up and give them fears and anxiety. God, I ask that you come in and heal and set them free today. That resurrection life we declare over those anxieties, over those fears that they would be under the blood of Jesus and fully healed and restored. We ask for physical healings. God, you are always moving in our midst. So I pray those who have physical needs right now, as you pray for your own self, just ask Jesus, call on the name of Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. He died for these things, you guys. He rose again that we would have life and have it abundantly. So if there's healing needs, lean in right now. In Jesus' name, I pray healing. I ask for freedom of addictions in this place, God. Freedom right now in Jesus' name. You said who the Son sets free is free indeed. It is a mystery to me how the freedom comes in our lives, how truly the past is behind us. And God, we lean into that today, that healing, that freedom. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We hope this message encouraged you today. For more information about Burning Hearts Church and our mission, please head to burninghartsfargo.com. 